Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick. The Vermont Lake Monsters continue to win ball games. Their 13-game win streak unfortunately came to an end, but they remain in first place at 14 and 4. Right behind them, the Westfield Starfires at 12 and 6, Worcester at 10 and 7, and New Britain is clinging to that fourth playoff spot at 9 and 8. Couple teams tied at 7 wins. In the Futures League, it was a big week for news. We start and want to congratulate the Eastern Connecticut State NCAA Division III National Champions, former Futures Leaguers, including former podcast guest Ryan Bagdasarian, Luke Broadhurst, Matt Malcolm, Billy Oldham. Congratulations, guys, on an incredible season and a championship, which was manifested, as Luke Broadhurst pointed out on his social media this week. Some other big news, we have another debut Major League debut from the Futures League. Matt Gage, former Pittsfield son, is headed to the show with the Toronto Blue Jays. Want to congratulate him on that unbelievable feat. We also had a couple of pitchers, uh, players and pitchers of the week. We'll go through those. Jackson Hornung seems to have that award in the bag this season. He wins it again after going six for 13, hitting three home runs and driving in seven. And Connor Bodeswa from the Norwich Sea Unicorns is your pitcher of the week. Seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs, and five strikeouts. Congratulations to both of those guys. This week, though, it is all about the Nashua Silver Knights and the Walker brothers. Jonah and Noah were kind enough to join me for this episode. It was great to talk to them not only about playing together in Nashua, but growing up together and their two other siblings, Nader and Madeline, who are doing an amazing job at Concord High School. We talked to them about Holman Stadium. We talked about Noah's career at Plymouth State and Jonah's start at Tulane. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss it. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in, watching, and listening. We're going to get you to this interview. Here are the Walker brothers. We are honored to be joined by two more guests here on Back to the Futures for episode four. It is the Walker brothers. It is Jonah and Noah. Guys, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. And we're going to get this going here. How have you both felt so far with the start of the season in Nashua? Um, you know, I think it's it's been good to get back out there and um, just keep playing baseball. We're the team itself. We're um, we're going through a little bit of a rough patch, but I think we're with the talent that we have on our team. We we won't have a problem being able to turn it turn it around. So I think we're all pretty optimistic about that. Yeah, I'd have to agree. We just got a bunch of new guys coming back from playoffs at their schools, and you can feel the energy changing. We might not have won the games yet, but people are staying in the games. People are a lot more in tune with what's going on. Feels like it's turning around. Yeah, it's always those early season struggles, but you guys will shake that off in no time. And obviously, it's pretty rare to, you know, play a sport, be in a class or whatever it may be with your sibling. And you guys get to wear the same uniform together every day and play together every day this summer. What's that been like so far? It's been uh, it's been really fun. So Noah and I have never actually been able to do it. I, I was able to do it with my younger brother in high school. Um, but since there's like a age, a four or five year age difference between me and Noah, we were never able to do it. So I think we were both really excited going into this summer, knowing that we were going to be able to play with each other and compete against each other on the, on the same team. Mm-hmm. Last year, uh, there was talk about it. There was a little speculation that we were going to be able to get Jonah on the team, but some stuff happened with school, so he wasn't able to come. But uh, at the end of the season, I talked to our GM, Cam Cook, and he asked me right away, he's like, does Jonah want to play? And I was like, I'm going to make him play. I was like, I'm finding a way to play on the same team as my brother one time. And it's been really cool and just a lot of fun so far. Yeah, you got to use those recruitment skills. We'll talk about your relationship with Cam Cook a little later on. But let's talk about another relationship, and that's with manager Kyle Jackson. What what has it been like to know this is your second year with him, Joni, your first? What is your relationship like with K-Jax? I like K-Jax. He's fun. He's a pretty laid-back guy. Um, They usually sit there and more observe the game and then make the moves as it goes. But you know, when you talk to him and when you go one-on-one with him that he really does know a lot about the game. I've talked to him a couple of times about pitching, just like 
how to sequence guys or what can I do to basically be better and everything he says I did not expect the depth and what he was telling me but it's helped a lot and last year I was in a bit of a rough patch after the first half of the season talked to Kjax and just completely flipped it around after that um for me personally like I I think Kjax is a great coach um I don't think that what we're going through right now is on him, obviously. Like, we just haven't been performing as well as we needed to be. Um, but like what Noah said, I think that we he, – he has great baseball knowledge and um, knows how to coach us and knows how to win. So I think everything from what I've seen so far, he seems like a great coach. Yeah, we've known KJX for a long time, good friend of the podcast, and he's done an excellent job coaching the Silver Knights. And the Silver Knights also and Holman Stadium do a great job with their operations and game day experience, getting the fans into it, making sure the atmosphere is top tier. What has it been like playing at Holman Stadium and, you know, kind of watching all the fans get so into the game, you know, whether it's all the promotions that they do or music that they play or whatever else? Um. My so my college team we're kind of like this as well so it was really cool coming into a place that we would have all this like on on field like game day stuff um and I don't know I think that getting the fans more involved in the game like helps it gets us more energized and like um it keeps them more into the game like doing all those promotions and doing all the like mini games in between innings like um it just keeps them involved with the game and it gives them like something another like unique aspect of the sport that they don't like usually get to see with them rather than just like watching baseball like you know that you when you go to a a silver knights game you're not just going to get like you're going to get good baseball and see good talent but you're also going to get like fun experiences and your kids are going to be able to run the bases after and on fridays you're going to be able to see fireworks so like all this it it just makes it a great environment for us and the fans yeah i'd say also at times, like there's certain things that we do, like uh, the dance after the sixth inning. At first, you're a little scared to do it because everyone obviously sees everyone run out there, go out there and starts dancing. You're like, what are we doing? But after you do it for the first two times, you're looking at everyone while you're doing it. Everyone's smiling and laughing at each other. And it's entertaining for the fans, but also some of them, it's definitely a way to bring us closer together as a team too. So I find it fun. I think it's good for everyone around. Yeah, so the love is gone dance after the sixth inning. Who's doing that better? I've got more experience on it. Yeah, uh, okay. I've got some practice with it. Yeah. I'd say he's learning. He's catching up pretty quick. Yeah. Catching up, all right. Yeah, you got to do the, the jazz hands a little. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And, Jonah, we talked about your recruitment process to Nashua, but Noah, in 2021, what, how did you initially end up on the team? So... I have a funny story with the Silver Knights. I was originally committed to Nichols College, and my GM, Cam Cook, at the time was the third baseman for the Silver Knights. And I went to one, I don't know if it was the first year that he won or the second year, but I went to the championship game down at Holman's because yeah, we were from Concord. And we went and watched the game, and I told myself, because I was going to a D3 school, I didn't know crazy amount about college baseball yet but I knew about the summer leagues and I was like all right this is where they take the good kids like the good d3 kids go up against the d1 kids they play against the d2 kids it's a whole nother even playing field and I looked at that and I saw Cam going out there and he was a stud when he was playing in the futures just a basic killer and I was like that's what I want to do I want I've been basically since my freshman year I've wanted to play just play for Nashville and say that I could do it and try and go against some of those big kids. So once I got my chance, my coach, uh, Plymouth, last year, Clay had asked me, he was like, what do you think about summer ball? What do you want to do? And I was like, there's a way we can get up. I can try and get on the summer nights. I was like, I want to go for it. And he was able to work the back door. I didn't even know Cook was the GM at the time. Uh, Once he sent the email out and asked me, I was like, no way, you're the GM. I just wanted to do it because he played for them and I saw it, but... Once that was there, it just made it so much cooler. Walked into his office the first day, and it's been a blast ever since. Yeah, so that was the 2020 championship. So that was the COVID summer, not much going on. 
pretty much only show in town was the Futures League. So you guys saw that from a fan perspective and I guess from a from someone who was interested in the league. What was that like watching that championship series unfold in, in Nashua? Because that was a that was a very cool championship. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you have guys that was the year they had like Dom Keegan, right? Yeah. Like they that was the year the cape the cape was they didn't have the cape that year. So you had guys like Dom Keegan going out there who got drafted by the Yankees last year and he'll get drafted again this year. Like just being able to see these draft picks and like I'm pretty Putting sure balls over the yeah. ball, over the beer signs out in the deep part of yeah. the outfield. It, it was just crazy. Yeah. It was like that was awesome. Yeah, the yeah, talent. Really cool. Yeah, the talent that continues to show up in the futures league, especially after that year. I feel like that was a that was a big launching point with everybody mm-hmm. kind of watching what the league was about. And yeah, our, us playing that COVID summer was something else for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, and let's talk about a little bit of a weird situation that happened last week in the futures league it was education day so some of the rules got flipped in nashua had to had to come out and have some fun with the kids what were your guys thoughts on that playing against brockton that exhibition game that was the best day i've had in baseball in like three years i got a real ab i felt great we had so much fun um it started out like i'm pretty sure in the first inning Brockton and had one of their pitchers actually go deep and mm-hmm. they're obviously every team's reaction when a pitcher gets an AB and if they were to go yard, their bench erupts. And obviously it was Brockton. It was a fun game. And to the way that that game started by just seeing their dugout erupt with energy, every, it just set off the lights for the stadium, how it was going to be. And that day was just fun all around. There was so much going on. I think we had 3,000. It was like, yeah, it was over 3,000. It was over 3,000 people there. And it was just, the energy was crazy. We were staying there. I think I signed, my signature went on 100 different (laughs) things. I can only imagine how many years went on. I was giving out hot dogs, so for the majority (laughs) of the game, I was helping give out the hot dogs, so. It was it was really cool because you got to be I got to be up there with like the fans and all the kids, and it's it's funny like I'm just giving them the hot dogs and their chips and stuff and they're uh, they're like coming up to me asking me for my autograph and they're like they're like oh like I'll sign a ball for them and I'll be like oh my gosh this ball's worth so much money I'm like not really, <laughs> but um but yeah I mean that's what it's all about like getting the kids involved like um just. And you know that, like, if you get these kids to come to these games, like, hopefully they'll go home and tell their parents, like, oh, I had a lot of fun at this, like, baseball game. Hopefully the parents will be like, okay, like, maybe we can give it another shot. We can go to game as a team, as a family. So I think that, like, will help with us getting more fans as well. Like, not that we struggle with it, but um, I think that'll help because they'll, they'll be able to share that experience to their parents, and their parents will maybe be like, okay, like, we can go to a game. So... Yeah, and obviously I mentioned it. Noah, this is your second year in the league. But Jonah, this is your first kind of impressions of the Futures League. For Noah, how have your impressions of the league changed? How has the league changed from last year to this year? And Jonah, what are your first initial impressions of the Futures League and Nashua and how everything's been working? Uh, last year, obviously, I was walking in here extremely nervous. Um, we had some big names on the team last year. He played down at Tulane with one of them, but like I walked in and we had Jackson Lynn on the team, a high schooler who just got drafted. We had talked about like his numbers that he had had at the combine. It was crazy stuff. You, you heard it and you're like, that's straight out of a video game. But um, so I was really, really, I'd say nervous at the beginning of last year and I settled in pretty quick. But this year, it was just all about the fun. We had such a good group of guys, like the core group of guys that we had last year that we brought back with George, uh, Will, Bozzo, Brady, Shay, everyone, everyone in that group. I just love them all. And we had so much fun. And now we're just here. All we want to do is, because last year we were on a really hot streak to end the season. And all we want to do is come out and just win and have fun with each other again. So it's been a lot less nerves and a lot more just trying to go out there, make the good memories, try and have fun with everyone from my standpoint, at least just keep having fun playing the game. Uh, for me, like my first impressions, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing this, like showing up to the field every day is a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed just going out to the field, shagging BP, um, 
just like even the little tangible things about like game day aspects like i love every part of it um and like it 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 feels like a college like game day like you show up to the field three or four hours early and then you take bp um so like it's nothing new in in that regards but playing playing in front of a lot of fans and stuff and getting the fans like more involved with the game and having the on-field things like i think it's it's really cool and special um and doing like the push-up competitions or like racing the kids around the warning track on the little scooters and stuff like that i mean it's just it's just a lot of fun it gets the crowd into it when the crowd's into it they get into the game and that's when you when you do well they'll help they'll help you guys and they'll shift the momentum for you guys so have they pinned you guys against each other in the push-up contest yet no yeah oh they gotta pin us up on something so they gotta do yeah they gotta put you guys against each other for something i'll talk to katie she'll get it done and Noah, this question specifically for you, you're obviously the older brother. What kind of advice are you giving Jonah as he takes the mound or, you know, hits the field, whether it's at school or in Nashville or wherever else? Every single time he goes out to throw, all I have to do is tell him, make sure to stay within yourself. Your stuff's too good. Nobody's going to hit you hard. And if they do, tell him to go buy a lottery ticket. He was a lucky dad. Like, I've seen, I've been watching him grow. I've been watching this kid throw for years. The jumps that he's taken, both physically and mentally, just to become a dominant pitcher. Uh, it's just, if he stays true to himself and he does what he can do and doesn't try to overdo anything or do too much, he's going to go out there and he's going to dominate. And I've been saying that, said it at school, said it to him in high school when he threw the no-no on the state, uh, in the state championship at Holman. Just told him to do you. And every time he does, get the cameras rolling. It's a show. <laughs> Jonah, do you actually take that advice or is it more like don't talk to me before my start? <laughs> no, I'm always, I'm not like that. I'm not superstitious like that. I'd talk to people for the games. Even like last year in the championship game, like I, so like all our fans were like up behind our dugout, which is our home dugout for home, for Silver Knights. And like, some of my closest friends were in the in the stands and I would just be going I would like talk to them and I'd I'd tell them like look at the scoreboard just joking about the fact that I had no hitter <laughs> but mm-hmm. but like I, I like to stay loose like I'm even when I'm in in between innings like we're hitting I'm still up on the fence cheering us on like I'm not but yeah I do take Noah's advice and I appreciate everything that he does for me and I look up to him um so yeah Good. Just just making sure because you know sometimes it's like because you know the pitchers that are like don't talk to me don't say yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, very much not like no that. I I don't understand that like no. our coach at Plymouth actually told us uh, he was in the beginning of the season he's like if you're pitching in the game I don't want anyone coming up and talking to you if like you go up to them and talk to them that's fine he was talking to like our whole pitching staff and then he goes. I know Noah's going to be a weirdo and he's going to come up to you and he's going to talk to you and talk your ear off every inning in between pitching. Let him do it. It's just what he does. And he's the same way. You don't get superstitious. You're just there to have fun. Because wouldn't that make you stiff if you're just like sitting in the dugout not talking to anybody? Like, I feel like, I guess I'm not a pitcher, obviously, but if I was like, I feel like I'd be like trying to talk to people and like keep it loose instead of just like sitting there like a statue on the bench. I don't know. That's how I like to think of it. Just stay loose, have fun stay moving around yeah and i mean i I think like like actually like engaging in the game and being there and like watching like keeps you more engaged and keeps you more focused than like i don't know i that's that's just what i feel i know other people there's obviously those other pitchers out there but Mm -hmm. yeah of course no no everybody has their own sticks but i don't know that for me it's just like i'd like to get out there and like talk to people make jokes do stuff like that but yeah absolutely depends on who you are Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures, but first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home 
and commercial sports training facilities, so let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. What has your time been like there? Uh, it's been interesting. I liked it there a lot. Uh, I started out at Nichols. They didn't have the major that I wanted, and that's actually how I knew Cam Cook. He was my captain there, but... Um, once I got to Plymouth, I didn't actually talk to the coach. I kind of just showed up the first day of tryouts and he was like, whoa, this, cause I never, I was very, very conflicted on where I wanted to go over the summer. And I had an idea of either going down and trying to live with my uncle in North Carolina for a year to try and get in-state tuition at one of the bigger schools. And basically either just work out for a year, work for a year, try and see what I could do and make it, see if I could walk on somewhere. But instead I just stayed up close at home, wanted to play back in New Hampshire. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I never had really been up to Plymouth before I went there for school, but as soon as I got there, I loved everything about it. Uh, there was so much to do. You're up in the mountains every chance you take to uh, look around, gorgeous view, sunsets, mountains, lakes, anything you want outdoors wise, you got it. And uh, campus is great. Love the people that I met there. I love my coach. Uh, some things didn't work out this year. He got released, but they have a new guy coming in and I think he's gonna really try and change things around for them up there. Yeah, that's awesome. And you talked about Nichols and obviously your relationship with Cam Cook. So what was it like having him, A, as a teammate, and B, now having him as the GM of the team and you're seeing him every day in Nashua? Uh, when he when we were at Nichols, I'd say he was very, very good captain, and he was a good teammate. He was a workaholic um, in the gym every day. He was absolutely going crazy. Always the first one to practice, always the last one to leave. Definitely a fun guy to hang out with outside of it, too. Um, always was able to keep your mood up, keep you laughing. And as the GM, I'd say he keeps a lot of those characteristics. He's always able to keep the energy up. He knows what he's talking about. And he's an honest guy. If something's wrong here, or if you're not doing too hot, he'll tell you. But I would rather appreciate the honesty either way. I like him more. And I say he's just a good guy. Love him to death. Yeah, brutal honesty of Cam Cook has certainly <laughs> shown. Oh yeah, we've had him. We had him on the pod a while ago, and he was giving answers like, mm-hmm. like I don't care. <laughs> yep, that's exact outlook. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. I'm gonna, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to mean it. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And Jonah, you're a Tulane man. What has your freshman season like been there? And what was it like getting your first taste of college experience? Um, it's a whole different ball game, uh, especially at a level like Tulane plays at um, like you're, I'm playing at some of the guys that I'm competing with and like two of the freshmen that I played with this this season they were both drafted out of high school so I mean it just shows the caliber of the talent that I'm playing with and like you always hear the saying like about division one schools like these guys were the best guys in their high school team like the like that's they they're all dudes um, and they all I, I got really close with all of them. Um, we had a really good relationship with all of them. Like we were, I think one of the upperclassmen said that it was like the closest group of guys they, they'd they ever had at Tulane. So, I mean, just being part of that, um, it was awesome. Um, we had, we started off the year really, really well. Uh, we ended up being, we were ranked 18th at one point. Um, and then injuries occurred and stuff happened, but, um, I think that we have a lot of talent and um, I think we're, we're in a good place. So I'm excited to go back next year. Um, the competition's definitely, definitely a step up from New Hampshire high school, not, not to hate on New Hampshire high school, but I'm playing against like SEC schools and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely a different caliber. 
Yeah, certainly a different caliber. And Tulane wasn't actually your first choice. You originally committed to Hartford, but they made the switch to D3. How difficult was that to decommit from Hartford and go to Tulane? So I, I really wanted to stay at Hartford. I really liked it there. Um, and it wasn't until Coach Blood ended up getting the job at Keene State that I said that I was going to um, decommit. And I knew that walking into that, I was going to, it was going to be a stressful summer because I decommitted with a month and a half left, or like, I don't know, like two, two months and I was going to be walking onto campus. So I had to figure out where I was going to school and where I was going fast. Um, so just figuring that out, like put me, put a lot of stress on me, but it all worked out. Yeah. I was listening to the, uh, Silver Knights podcast where they were talking to you guys and you or Noah had said that you would probably have been on the Silver Knights if it weren't for that stressful summer trying to figure out where you were going. Yeah. It just, it, recruiting wise, it just made it easier for me to play one more year of travel ball so that I could tell a coach that I'm playing like this day, like you can come watch me play here. I mean, I think that it just worked out better in that way. So that's it. Like I was able to, I was able to have colleges come look at me and play in these showcases or not showcases, but like tournaments at like different college campuses. So they were able to, I was able to get attention that way. Yeah. And it all worked out as you're at Tulane and you just, you just talked about the competition. You talked about D one. What's it kind of like having that elevated, you know, that elevated competition, that elevated I just get pressure, I guess I'm trying to think of the word, but like that elevated level of baseball, especially coming to the futures league and seeing all these guys that are D one doing the same thing that you are. Like, I, I know that all the kids that I play against, like they're all, they're all good baseball players, like regardless of what division they play in, regardless of what school they go to. I mean, every team has their guys that go to the big power five schools and they also have the guys that go to the D three schools. So there's a good mesh of guys that I'm facing that, all have talent. Like I think I let up a I let up a home run this past weekend to a kid that goes to Clarkson. Yeah, I let up a home run to a D three kid. That was at the same time the D three kid took it to Lane kid deep. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, that's what's unique about the futures league. Like I get to see like different competition and um sometimes better competition, sometimes competition that's on par with us. So I mean it I I don't think there's there there is a little pressure coming from like a bigger school in that regard but um I, I try not to worry about that like I just try and go out there like it's still a 60 foot six inch mound like I'm, I'm just trying to throw strikes and get more innings and do what I'm do what I'm needed to to help the team win like my whole goal going into summer ball this year was to get a lot of innings and just build up my confidence because I didn't get a lot of innings this this year at Tulane so that was a big thing for me, just getting innings and building confidence, being able to throw strikes, know that I can throw strikes and know that I can pitch well. Yeah. And that's what I love about the futures league too. It's like when you, when you guys all step onto the field, the, the visions, the colleges, it all kind of goes away and you're just, mm -hmm. you're on a different team. You're competing. It doesn't matter what school you go to. It doesn't matter what division you're in. Yeah. No, I will ask you this, especially I love asking this question to pretty much everybody that's D3 that comes on this podcast. How much pride do you take? and being from a division school and competing in division three. Oh, I love it. Uh, in this league specifically, I mean, I'm trying to move up, go into the portal and all, but the last year it had the, um, honestly, so when I walked in, it had, it put the biggest chip on my shoulder. I, because no one expects the D3 kid to go out there and be a stud. Like they expect them, obviously, if you're on the team, they know you're a good ball player. They know you have good stuff or they know you're there for a reason, but nobody expects them to be a stud on the team. And my whole goal every time is just go out there, strike everyone out if I can, if not ground balls, fly balls, keep the ball, put the ball in play. But I love it when I go out there and I hear the name, like a kid from Maryland or a kid from UMBC comes up to the plate and I can strike them out on four pitches. That's just like, it just makes, pumps you up, makes you feel good, makes you feel like you belong there again. You're like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I maybe I am somewhat decent at this sport. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that definitely puts a chip on your shoulder, makes you want to work a little bit harder. And uh, yeah, pretty much that. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a mentality that I mean, I think most players that come through the league have that, but especially the D3 guys, like you just said, it's like it means something more to strike out those Maryland guys. 
Yeah, and it's the same thing with like Cam Cook coming in. He has, I'm pretty yeah. sure, doesn't he have the hit record for the league? And it's like he was the exact. I know he was the exact same way because he's talked about. It. He's like, I'm this base hitter just going in there, base knock, base knock, base knock, and next thing you know, there we are. Yeah, and going from college to high school, you both had unbelievable careers at Concord. Noah, we'll start with you. What was your time like there at Concord High? Uh, Concord High was a lot of fun. Um, it started out, my first couple years were a little rough. Uh, we didn't have any real, not leadership, but um, varsity experience. My freshman year, I think our entire lineup was seniors. We had... D1 and D2 guys up and down the lineup. And it was just crazy to play in that kind of environment with them. And then to go the next year having, I think it was five sophomores starting on the outfield in New Hampshire Division One uh, baseball. And then junior year, kind of same thing. No real like uh, older kids, upperclassmen depth. And then senior year, we had our like five guys plus our class that had finally come in. And the kids below us, we had kids like Griffin Gilbert, some guys who have played on the Knights too. Uh, Griffin Gilbert, Curtis Dennicki, going uh, one of them's at SNU, one of them's at uh, Merrimack. And my senior year, we actually went out there and we kind of switched it around. I think sophomore and junior year, we went 5 and 12 or 5 and 13. And then my senior year, we basically flipped it around. I was our number two because we had Griffin Gilbert, who was just dominating pitcher back then high school we called him big mama because he could just hum a ball and he would just use his chest drop his weight on it, and that ball would fly into that zone and it seemed like no one could hit him but that year having all those guys like me griff kurt uh we had this kid ethan dupree who was he had like he had a streak where he was like 24 for 27 and everyone, he was the nine-hole hitter. And we just snuck him in there, and everyone just threw him a first-pitch fastball, and it was just base knock, double base knock every time. And it was just so much fun turning that around. And really, I'd say it was the first time we had gotten back into the playoffs in a while. And it was nice just we didn't get to go as deep as we would have liked. Dover knocked us out pretty quick. But uh, to get that kind of winning culture back and get that mindset back that Concord can – do all this and then next year they started to do it again they went uh griffin no to semis they lost in semis they lost in semis on i mean hit off griff let up a base hit up the middle off grant levine who went 42nd overall at a high school so i mean it was just cool to see them finally turn around and see conquer baseball starting to grow again and then obviously just gonna say that that growth seemed to Seemed to come to a peak when Jonah, you took the reins. You had an unbelievable year, your final year at Concord, obviously helping the team win state by throwing a no hitter casually, you know, final game, no hitter. Uh, oh, and you also had a perfect game in the first round. So, you know, that's a pretty damn good run. It, it was only, it was only six innings, but so sorry. We, we tend round up. <laughs> so it's a, it's a Mickey Mouse perfect game. All right. Well, regardless, it was still very impressive stuff. What was it like, as Noah said, you know, he, that he was trying to build with his class, this winning culture. And then you come in your senior year, get the job done and win States for Concord high. Uh, you know, it, it like, I think it put us on the map a little, like it, we continue to grow like on the map. And I think that um, we just, we just showed that it doesn't, you, you don't need like, a full team full of guys who are all committed to schools to like win a state championship. Like we had three guys that are playing college baseball right now that are in my graduating class that um, like there are only three seniors on the team that went on to play college baseball. So, I mean, it just shows that like we, we were just a bunch of scrappy guys. We had all, I think the majority of majority of us grew up playing baseball together all the way through little league up through Babe Ruth and stuff. So we had that camaraderie together that we'd had for years. Like those are all my closest friends. So just being able to go out there, play for them, because I know it was going to be probably their last time playing baseball. So just being able to go out there and um, have that. Um, don't do that. Just to be able to go out there and help them win, and it just it just really 
it was it was a cool feeling and it showed that like everything that we had worked for our whole lives like growing up through little league and babe ruth that it like kind of paid off yeah certainly paid off and i do want to specifically ask about the no hitter in the championship game you mentioned earlier how you are gonna like you would first of all is at holman too that's awesome yeah that you literally really went full circle there but not only that but you're also like you're talking about it with everybody i guess how do you feel pressure like i don't understand (laughs) you have a no hitter in the championship game and you're just like talking to the guys about it and saying like oh check the scoreboard (laughs) yeah no (laughs) no i I would joke with my coach about it it was funny like i would i would go up to my like assistant coach i would be like hey you see the scoreboard like just messing it would be like the fifth inning like i'd just be like trying to jinx myself i wanted to smack him so bad <laughs> i looked down one time and i swear i saw because i was, I was talking stand. to my friend nate in the crowd and i saw him the words no hitter like get lipped <laughs> and i literally almost ran down and smacked i was like what are you doing why why'd you say it and then i was like you know what he's that kind of kid he does he's just out there to have fun he's not really looking at that he knows it obviously. yeah i just i didn't it. care about the no hitter like it, obviously it's a cool feat but like i just wanted to win yeah you like, yeah, i'm not i'm not trying to no, no, i'm not trying to sound cocky in a way like that i'm talking about like throwing a no hitter it's just like i was just trying to win it was just it was a state championship game. yeah you had greater pri- you had greater priorities than a no hitter yeah probably. yeah but still, like, I'll be sitting at Fenway Park looking at the scoreboard, and I'm like, I'm not saying a word. I'm like, I yeah, know. No, I don't do it in pro baseball. But yeah, we're actually bad luck in pro baseball. Yeah, like the past two nights, there have been no hitters going on, and no one. I turn on the TV. The second, the second we turn, turn it on, the TV, there's a hit. We're yeah, like, we're bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, that was what the Cardinals pitcher, and then Anderson yeah. yesterday for the dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. we. I turned it on both days. Both times. And within two minutes, the no hitters no, over instantly. <laughs> So I guess I just have to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stick. let's stick to pitching no-hitters instead of yeah. <laughs> Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest-grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says... I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, ZorianBats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And one unique thing also about your high school career, Jonah, is that you guys, you got to play with your little brother. Is it Nate, Nader? I don't, you guys have Yeah, his nickname's Nader. 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 Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to call him Nader then. Right. So you, you played with Nader in high school. What was that like, you know, getting, obviously you're playing with Noah now, but you got to play with Nader in high school. Oh, he's a stud. He was, he was our best hitter on our team. <laughs> like he, he helped produce so much offense. Like I think he had an RBI or two in the state championship. He had like two hits or something. Like he was he he batted 428 last year as a sophomore. Like slugged like 1.2. His his OPS was like a 1.8. Yeah. He was over video game numbers out of him. So it's yeah. But being able to have that like offense there, it, it like helped with like the other kids who like maybe weren't as in the state championship game. Like it wasn't like I feel like it was a full team effort. Like I feel like there were guys like. My friend Kevin, he put down a bunt like uh, Ryan. He made a diving. He he dove into first base at one point. Like mm-hmm. all the, like everyone. Tyler Wright made a diving play in center field to end the game. Like it, it was just a full team contribution. So I mean, Nader also helped out a lot. But um, yeah, playing playing with him was a lot of fun. Um, he it's it's different than Noah because Nader's a hitter. Mm-hmm. So, like, no, I obviously interacted with him more. Nader, I kind of, like, let him do his own own thing because I don't want to get in his head or anything. But, He's also a goofball. yeah, <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun playing with him. And there is evidence of this. I just want to confirm it on this podcast. You guys both agree that he is the best baseball player in your family, or is that still up for debate? I say I don't know if he's the best right now, but he has the highest ceiling out of all of us. Yeah. By far. Okay. And I also want to mention this. There was an article in the Concord Monitor about you guys, and we'll get to your sister in a minute too, but 
it mentioned that you guys are commonly, you know, going to going to your local field, pitching to him and trying to get him better. And obviously you guys as college, you're he's facing that college talent with you guys. What is that like, you know, knowing that you can help him improve his game as guys who have been through the ringer before and trying to get him, you know, as, as ready as possible when the college game comes around? Yeah, no, definitely. So the year COVID happened, like the thing we all wanted to keep our arms ready because we knew we were going to play summer ball. So me and Noah, we would go down and throw bullpens and we would like throw a lot or we would like toss underhand to our little brother. And then we were like, okay, like, why don't we just pitch to him? Like get a good, get a batter in there. And him being able to see mid to high eighties at that point, like it was, it was very valuable because he went out his, that was his freshman year. He went out his sophomore year and just put up those numbers. Um, And then there was a point where we would just, we, we would just bring all of our friends down and like a lot of the guys that would have been the Concord High team and like some of the Concord High alum that were like in college that were home from college, we would, we would play like Sandlot pickup games at oh, Memorial Field. It was the coolest thing. It was so much fun. Like, we weren't allowed to, we weren't supposed to, but it, there was just this field and no one was working because everyone was stuck home from COVID. So you literally just had a bunch of kids going out there and mm-hmm. we were just rotating through with like, 11 12 guys finding a way to hit and play the field but i think we got like up to 15 or 16 there was one, one there was one, one day, day where we had, we had maybe 20 teams. it was crazy that's unreal yeah but um yeah i think also i've been trying to help him get recruited because i've been around that the, i've been around there twice now and so i'm i'm like helping him write emails and helping him respond to emails so hopefully and just like helping him prepare for recruiting because it's a stressful time. Um, but I think he'll be able to handle it. So is he going into senior year or is he going into? Yeah, okay. he's going into senior year. And just the way that travel ball worked out, um, he wasn't able to really get looks from the travel ball team that he played on last year that I played on with. Um, he got some from me because the coaches would be there and they saw him. But um this year he's playing on a different travel ball team and he's going to bigger tournaments like in New Jersey and Georgia. So I think he'll definitely get seen and he can be a sneaky pickup from any good school anywhere. Yeah. I was going to say, you guys got the inside track on that. How is that? Has that like recruitment started or is it slow? It's and steady? started. It started. Um, he's got a couple looks. Yeah. But good, good stuff. Good stuff. Hopefully he'll be on the nights next year. Yeah. So that's three Walker siblings. There is a fourth and she's emerging as a star pitcher for the softball team at Concord High, your sister, Madeline. What's it like watching her succeed on the softball field as you guys are doing what you do on the baseball field? It's really cool because we know how much work she puts in and how much time and effort my mom, my mom and dad both coach her travel ball team. So they put in a lot of effort. So to see the fruits of their labor, like really show up on the field and how she's made it to the state championship the past two years and has pitched in the state championship and pitched. She's, she's allowed zero runs in both games that she's pitched in. Like it, it's really special to us because she's always been like the baby and like, we've always like, I don't know, kind of picked on her, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean, just, we, there's, we do love her and like, we're, we're proud of her. So it is very satisfying to see her. And like the thing, I wanted nothing more than, so we had a game, I was pitching in Vermont on, on Saturday and it was the day that her state champ, that she had the state championship. So I wasn't able, we weren't able to be there, but I wanted her, there was nothing more than I wanted for her to win the game. Cause, cause I, uh, they lost in the state championship last year and I kind of have rubbed it in her face ever since. So I was like, I was yeah, like, prove me wrong, Maddie. Like, come on, do this. Like, I, you you deserve a ring. Like, come on, do it. And they ended up losing in extras, but she's got two more years. She's got, she'll be fine. Yeah, she has two more years. She's, she'll be fine. She has she has a lot of potential too. Yeah, yeah. She's got to match the two middle the middle brother ring. Sorry, no, but in <laughs> soccer, it's okay. Okay, that's fine. That works. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I got to ask, is there, like, what are the siblings, if you guys were going to, like, play wiffle ball or something in the backyard, like, are there pairings that go on, or there, what's uh, the comment? I'd say, honestly, it's a free-for-all because we're all too competitive. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just me versus Nader. We, yeah. like, we just go out there and we just have fun. 
Like, I don't have to worry about messing up my swing. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you have to me- you have to worry about messing up Nader's swing, but you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but he's fine. He sees beach balls when he's at the plate. So, <laughs> all right, and kind of bringing it all together here, what's it like being? This is for both of you. Being from a sports family where you guys are always seeing each other succeed and always, you know, watching each other play baseball or softball and you know playing your respective sports at the high level. Out of the- uh, I mean, like just everyone's goal. Like when you're an athlete and you have aspirations to play, like beyond high school and. Like, everyone's goal is just to keep playing as long as you can, like, no matter where you end up, like, regardless, like, you just, you just don't want to hang up the cleats, like, regardless of what division school you go to or what, whether you get drafted or something, like, you just you just have that desire to keep playing the game. You're just playing a kid's game as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, it's really cool seeing us all, <clears throat> me and Noah playing in college right now, and then knowing that Maddie and Nader will be be able to play and have the opportunity to play in college as well. It's just, it, it, it it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I got to ask this, how, what are the stress levels like on your parents? Like, is there like somebody monitoring their stress levels every day? Cause that, that's gotta be high. Um, I don't know how they could do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they, they coach Maddie, they coach Maddie primarily. So I mean they're 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 pretty focused on that, but I mean they obviously care about our teams, but um, I think they, they more know that we're gonna do. They they were more stressed. Yeah, they have a lot of confidence in us. Like they're probably the most stressed out that state championship day last year because we had our game at eleven oh and Maddie's game was at Riviere at one. And then I had a silver nights. And then Noah had a silver nights game that night. At Holman, right after the state championship. Yeah. So all four of their kids were playing that day and three of them were in big games. So um, I think they, they, they're confident in us. They know that we're going to go out there and compete every day. And we're going to give everything we have. So um, while they, they probably do get stressed, I think that they know that we're prepared for whatever's at, like whatever the task is at hand and that we, we can just compete. Yeah, and we'll go for our Zephyr question of the day here. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field head of the Futures League. Zephyr, high-quality, innovative design since 1993. Sporting that Zephyr hat there. Silver Knights hat. That's a nice hat right there. It's there somewhere. What is your both of your all-time favorite baseball memories? Jonah, we'll start with you. Throwing state, the no-hitter in the championship game. Yeah, I mean. Nothing, nothing can really beat that. I don't think so. Not, not yet, at least. I, I peaked. <laughs> I peaked in high school. <laughs> oh, what about you? Is it personally, or is it like a moment that I've like watched or I've been through or like playing less? It's up to you. You know, your favorite baseball memory, whether it's you playing or something you experienced. I'm going to have to go with two because. Yeah, go, go for it. One of them was obviously watching him win the state, watching both my brothers win the state championship on the field that was my home field that I was playing on that night. That was just so cool to watch. Um, the energy, looking up at the scoreboard, seeing the zero, it was unreal. Because obviously he was going for the ring. Like he said, he did, he was like joking about it. He didn't care about the no-no because he's hunting a ring. Because like yeah. obviously you're like, I'll give up a hit for a ring. He's any day. But the fact that he just was able to go all seven and just was like, oh, well, they didn't get one. And on the last play, they came the way that that last play of the game ended. It was so close. A kid on our on the Silver Knights with us, actually, Tyler Wright, was in center field. He made a diving play. Diving play on a bloop hit, on a bloop uh, ball in the shortstop, uh, second base in center field, Bermuda Triangle. Comes in full speed, running diving play. Kid at second left early because he thought it was down. Doubled him up at second. All the gloves are flying. That was, that was pretty cool. But personally, uh, it's a tough one. I haven't had many crazy moments. I'd say one of them for me was last year in Britain. Personally, when I gave up. Um, it was a really, really good pitch. Uh, first A-B of the game, I was starting in New Britain. Gave up a home run on a fastball high and away. Kid flicked it, Apo Taco. 
and then went out there and retired 16 straight after that got picture of the night felt really cool that was like one of my moments i was like okay you can play with the big boys this is fun because they had luke broadhurst who just won my conference player of the year regional player of the year accolades on accolades and just new britain was all stacked with yukon kids it felt really cool to see like all them in the playoffs this year and see all those names and just be like wow i did that yeah Oh yeah, they that, that was basically Eastern 2.0, New Britain. It was yeah, it was East it was Eastcon slash Yukon New, New yeah. Britain days last year. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's I do actually remember that night because yeah, typically I'm the one that helps with the voting for pitcher of the night. So I do remember. So I was like, oh, he gave up a run, but he retired yeah. all these guys. Yeah. Solo shot, first day of the game, settled down pretty quickly. I was like, yeah. shoot. All right, guys, one final question for you. A message to Silver Knight fans as we are at mid in mid-June already, which seems crazy, but message to Silver Knight fans. What are we thinking? Believe in us. We we have the talent. We are going to win games. Um, just keep coming to the games, fill out the stadium, um, be loud, get us involved. We we thrive off your engagement, off fan engagement. So just coming out to the games and supporting us is huge. I'd say I have faith. Same thing as him. Just got the whole team back together. The entire roster's here now. We got some big names. We, as you see, we have one guy who's hit two home runs and four ABs. It's a light show. Nights are going to be electric either way. But we like the fans there so that we can win. So keep showing up. Keep having fun. Keep popping out. Holman Stadium is the place to be this summer, no doubt about it. Jonah and Noah, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Best of luck the rest of the season, and uh, we'll see you guys real soon at Holman. Thank Thank you for having us. All right. And this has been Episode 4 of Season 5 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.